This is episode 330, How Repressing Anger Makes You Needy with Lee. Welcome to Over It and On With It. I'm your host, Christine Hassler, and for over a decade, I've been a life coach, speaker, and author. Each week, you'll hear me work directly with a caller as I coach them through a goal they want to accomplish or an obstacle they may be facing. I'll provide a blend of practical and spiritual advice as well as tangible actions you can apply to your own life. Now, let's get on with the episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the first show of 2022. Thank you for joining me in this new year. If you miss my New Year's episodes, I did one on releasing 2021 and one on calling in 2022. You want to go back and check those out and go through the process I guide you through. It's really, really a beautiful, powerful process that you can follow along or you can adapt to make your own. And it's never too late to set intentions and do releasing and receiving ritual or process if you don't like the word ritual. Even if you're listening to the show in March or April or even July, go check it out. Take yourself through the process. Also, just a reminder that the way this show is organized is that every Wednesday, I drop a life coaching episode where you hear an unscripted, unedited, unproduced live coaching session between me and a very courageous, vulnerable, amazing caller. I never know anything about them before we hop on Skype together and we jump into a coaching session. So you get to hear really raw sessions. I encourage you, if you're new to the show, to go back and dig into a lot of the archived episodes. We have a lot of people that are new and, and binge on episodes and learn so much in the process. And then every Saturday, I have something called Coach's Corner where I interview someone that I think you will find valuable or I share something just from me, like the New Year's rituals um, or other things that I just want to share with you, like conversations with my hubby or processes or meditations. You never know what you're going to get on Coach's Corner, but you can always count on Wednesday, these coaching episodes. And today is a really important episode because we talk about having a pattern of needing to be in a relationship and feeling like something is missing if you don't have that person. And I think a lot of you can probably relate to that one. So you're really going to enjoy my conversation with Lee. Also want to remind you that we're enrolling for Elementum Coaching Institute. This is the coaching training program that I co-founded and co-teach with my husband, Steph, and my colleagues, Alexi, Panos, and Preston Smiles. It's the most integrative, most experiential, most supportive coaching program out there. You will become a master coach when you graduate from this program. It is the thing in 2022, the only thing I'm teaching live in 2022. All our other programs, Inner Child, Be the Queen, my coaching mastery program, my getting over a breakup course, all that stuff will be evergreen. You can get all that stuff online. The Elementum Coaching Institute is the only thing I will be teaching live in 2022 because I will be giving birth (laughs) in March and will be on maternity leave for a little while and will be focusing most of my attention and efforts on transitioning into motherhood. And I'm sure I'll have a lot to share about that as that time emerges. I'm pretty excited about it. Not pretty. I'm very, very excited about it. Right now I'm, let's see when this episode drops, I'll be 30 weeks pregnant. So home stretch, home stretch. She's coming in March and we don't know whether she's going to decide to be a Pisces if she's born before the 20th or if she's going to be an Aries. She's due right in the middle. So, and most people call their due date, their guest date, especially with the first baby. Cause I mean, she could come anytime in March, hopefully or Hopefully more on the, around the 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th, and not towards the end because I will be like, oh my gosh, I'm ready to get this baby out and meet her. But we'll see, you know, it's, it's the ultimate act of surrender. That's for sure. 
All right, everybody. So as you're listening to this coaching call with Lee, consider, do you feel like something's missing if you're not in a relationship? Do you tend to attract people with more of an avoidant attachment style? Once you start to lean in, they lean out. Did you grow up with one or both parents that were neglectful or abusive? Finally, did you feel unwanted as a child and are consistently trying to love yourself and do all the right things to regulate your nervous system, but you just can't seem to let go of that anxiety and that feeling of just not being loved, not being wanted. So keep those questions in mind as you listen to my coaching call with Lee. Lee, welcome to the show. How can I help? I wanted to talk about how to not get so attached to somebody when I first meet them. Because um, I'm, I'm finding over and over again that um, there's something missing in my life. And I'm doing all these tangible things and, you know, getting my life right, understanding my attachment style, um, working on my physical health, career, da-da-da. Mm-hmm. There's always this thing just missing in the back of my head. And when I meet somebody, it feels like... Every like I'm safe and everything's good and mm-hmm. and I don't think it's healthy. <laughs> no, <laughs> common but not healthy. Well, here's here's let me just let me break that apart a little bit. So, I think it's healthy for us to want to be connected to other people. I think it's healthy for us to want to be in relationship, and I don't just mean romantic relationship. I mean we're relational beings. It's healthy for us to want to have friendships and perhaps have relationships and have connections and have family, whether that's biological or soul family. So that's a very healthy desire to want to be relational. What is unhealthy, which is what you know, I'm just supporting you, is that it's filling a void. You know, there's there's some kind of anxiety, there's some kind of something's missing. And then when a person comes in, it's like, oh, you get relief and you feel you didn't say this word, but a sense of completeness, a sense of like, everything's okay. That's the quote unquote unhealthy part, but I don't even want to call it unhealthy. That's just the pattern that's continuing to play out in you until you can, you know, move through it. So you're not doing anything wrong and your desire isn't wrong. It, It, this is what makes breaking apart codependence hard. It's, it's sort of like eating disorders in the sense of, you know, with, with something like alcoholism, you can just stop drinking right? You can live the rest of your life without alcohol, but with an eating disorder, you still need food. You still need to nourish yourself. So you've got to find that balance of a healthy relationship with food. And so that's what love addiction, codependence, anxious attachment style, like any of those things, like we, we still want relationships. We just don't want them to be the thing that makes us feel better. All that makes sense. Absolutely. And yeah, that's what I'm trying to trying to figure out here, and and I and of course, like I know that it had to do with my childhood, and you know the abuse, the neglect. So I always was kind of looking for that, just to feel wanted, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So when some I meet somebody and I can see their excitement, and they're validating me, and I'm like, and I just have that feeling, of, oh wow, you know, you know, I, I want to blame it on a lot of things, but what's in my control is, is this, and this is what I want to work on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, and 
I'm sorry that you felt not wanted as a child. That's a biggie. That's a big owie because to come into the world and not feel wanted and not feel validated, that's a, that's a big thing to carry around. So having so much compassion for yourself is important and knowing that that's a wound that's there and that you're still really working through. What's your relationship between you and your own inner child? I mean, I've done some therapy sessions to speak with the inner child, but, um, and then I do, you know, I, I, I do hand on heart, hand on stomach, mm-hmm. intermittently do the vooing and Good. try to regulate my nervous system by eating right and mm-hmm. going outside, exercising, mm-hmm. um, trying to have a social life, but, um, and then accepting myself too. That's like, okay, what's going on? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. And do you think you've really grieved the childhood you have? Do you think you've really let that little boy inside express all his feelings around not feeling wanted and really grieve that and really been there for him? Because oftentimes what happens is we keep playing out the pattern because we haven't allowed ourselves to fully grieve. It's, it's grief that allows us to let go and to eventually get to forgiveness. It sounds like you're doing a lot of really great self-soothing things, which are incredibly important. But why this may still be persisting is there's like a deeper level of grief and a deeper level of emoting that you slash the little guy inside of you really needs to get to. What comes up for you when I say that? Sad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I like get emotional. Um, Mm -hmm. So let that emotion come up. Yeah. So if we were just to check in with that little one inside, how is he feeling when we talk about what his childhood was like and feeling not wanted? Well, um, what kind of, why is nobody seeing me? Mm -hmm. Um, What did I do? What's, is it my fault? And what can I do to be noticed? Um, Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And just please, somebody love me. Yeah, yeah. Please, please, somebody love me. Yeah, no, exactly. <clears throat> yeah, and and in that sadness, there may be anger too, yeah. and a real like, why did you even have me? A why? What was wrong with you? How could you not love your own child? You know, a very there may be some rage in there too. And you, you listen to the show, you've heard me talk about probably how much anger is important to getting to our empowerment. Often yeah. what makes us really needy is we haven't gotten to our anger because until we like find our own fierceness and find our own voice, we always are looking for somebody else to make us feel a certain way. But when we can get our anger out and take our power back, because in so many ways, you, you know, as children, I don't know how to say this. So I'm going to say it in a way that's a little clunky. We give our power to our parents. And what I mean by that, it's not like we consciously give our power away, but our parents are put on a big pedestal because there are everything in so many ways. And so we, we give our whole kind of identity to them, you know, how, how they see us, how they showed, showed love for us or didn't show love for us. Like they, they are the the masters of how, what we think of ourselves. And so 
part of, you know, breaking out of that pattern of giving your power away, because every time you get in a new relationship or there's a possibility or someone comes into your life and you get that feeling of, oh, this person sees me and you get a little comfort, you're giving your power away. Because all of a sudden, your sense of being seen, your sense of validation, your sense of worth and enoughness depends Mm -hmm. totally on this other person. And you're back in the pattern of handing your whole self-worth over to somebody else. It's like you you went to the bank, you took all the money you have in the bank, and you just gave it to somebody. (laughs) Yeah, of course, a lot of the things I do, it's self-love. But I feel like in the back of my head, it's to be... Like, am I good enough almost? Mm-hmm. Um, because I never felt that way when I was growing up. So I'm doing all the right things, right? Uh, and that's kind of, I feel like, how I'm coming off. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're not doing anything wrong here. I think that there's just a level of depth in your own work, especially with the anger and the rage, and especially with taking your power back. Cause yes, there's a sad little one in there, but there's also a mad one. There's also like one that's like, this is effed up. Like I, this is not right. You know? And I think the, the little one in you wants big you to fight for him and be like, I, I know you deserved more. Because you're, there's probably a pattern too in relationship of settling of, you know, not necessarily always speaking your mind, taking scraps, you know, really not being treated the way you fully deserve to be treated. And you might not even be aware of that because there's a part of you that's so used to, I'll take what I can get. So it feels like, you know, I keep kind of going back to the anger and rage and, and letting that come out and letting your little one see that you are fighting for him and protecting him. And you're not trying to help him by going and getting love from someone else because that's ultimately not what he wants. He wants to be parented by you and he wants yeah. you to say no more. Like we're not doing this outsourcing our self-worth anymore. As a child, we didn't know any better, but we're not going to continue to give our power away. Because even though it feels really good when you get that attention and love, you're literally taking all the money you have in the bank and handing it over to someone. And with this inner child, I I always thought that, okay, the way I see it is self-discipline equals self-love. So that's why I, you know, I work hard and I work on my physical health. And with the mental health, I try to meditate and um, regulate that and with speaking to the inner child, like, okay, where am I feeling this emotion? And I sit with it and I try not to ignore it that way either. Um, right. And all of that oh. is really, really good. It's all a little bit on the passive side. Okay. okay. And what I'm inviting you into, if it resonates is to, into the, a little bit more of that active, masculine, fiery, like I want you to get angry not at, you know, forever, right? Staying in a place of anger is a good, but angry in an emotional release kind of way. Like if your parents were standing in front of you and you had permission to say whatever you wanted, like no holding back, say whatever you wanted. They gave you full permission. They're like, we know we messed up. Let us have it. You have full permission. Don't hold back. What would you say? Yeah, no, it's honestly, why did, why did you have me? Was I really 
because I there's so much things that add up and it was never said out loud but was I an accident um mm-hmm. because I sure do feel that way mm-hmm. yeah well what am I doing pretty much well well mm-hmm. yeah I'm angry am, at you because I'm angry at you because you guys where were you guys <laughs> and you guys never listened to me um well, mom, where were you? Like, I know you were working, taking care of the house and family, but it's just like when we did spend time, where were you mentally? Like, you never asked me anything about how I was, who I am. And then with dad, it's, uh, he's just, to him, I guess I would say, Am I allowed to cuss? Yes. <laughs> fuck you. Mm-hmm. Dude, just the ultimate fuck you. I uh, hate that you. I was your punching bag. We all were your punching bag. Mm-hmm. And you were so insecure that you chose your life the safe route and ended up regretting it uh, and taking it out on us because somehow you we were your physical representation of failure. Mm-hmm. Mm. I got goosebumps on that one. The lie stuff with dad here. Oh, it was, it's, oh, he tore apart our family. Yeah. And can you see how part of you vowed never to become like him? How did you know that? (laughs) (laughs) Been doing this a minute. (laughs) Vowed never to become like him. And so there is a part of you that's kind of gone more into your passive self. And is afraid of your anger and your fire and your power. Yeah. I guess with it, with, you know, um, and even in other uh, um, talks that you had, I have a hard time tangibly understanding what that looks like for me, I guess. what what looks like anger and, uh, anger yeah yeah mm-hmm. getting it out and stuff like that um well you were on a roll so if you were if you were a client of mine and you were with me i would have had you get a pillow or something and have you start hitting a bed or a chair and using your voice more and really going for it you were you were starting to build there yeah and you know, this context isn't appropriate for me to take someone into a full on anger burn, but you were on your way. And so what it looks like tangibly is setting up some time where you imagine your father there, you let the emotion, you let the anger come up. It helps to hit something because it physically starts moving the energy through the body, doing it in a safe way. Obviously I like to use either a pillow or one of those foam pool noodles and just cut it in half and use that. And you let the words and the emotion just come out and your body and your emotional body knows how to do this. Everybody, you know, has, do you, can you imagine a little kid coming up to their parent and going, I don't know how to have a temper tantrum. Can you tell me how to have a temper tantrum? Cause I don't know how every kid knows how it's innate within us. So it's there. I think there's a piece of you that is just scared to go there because violence and anger you have associated with your dad and you vowed to be nothing like him. Yeah. So I think that's more of the block 
than not knowing how to do it or what to do. Yeah. Okay. Um, when you're in relationship, when you're dating, what kind of feedback do you get from the people that you date? I would say more kind of critical feedback. You know, it's, I, I think it's because of my anxious attachment that I've in recent years, haven't even gotten to, to that point with someone else yet. It's always been these surface level, yeah, these surface mm-hmm. level quick flings. And then I think once my anxiousness comes up, you know, I don't know if they're, you know, the the last person I date, I, I've no, come to know that she was avoidant. Mm-hmm. And the closer I got, she just yep. went the opposite way, you know? Typical. Um so that's kind of the pattern is like when you, when the neediness, graspiness starts to come in, the other person starts to pull away. Pretty much. And, yeah. and the, the, in the worst way now too, because I don't want that, I am almost just seeing people that I'm quote unquote safe with. Uh, what I mean by safe is if they leave, I'm, I'm not at that level where I'm, my attraction hits where I get that emotional mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The emotional buzz. So if they they if they go anyways, I'll be like, oh, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a secret, of course, I don't want that, but that's my swing back on the other side. Mm-hmm. That's the protective pattern. Yep, yep, yep. So remember, with with any kind of anxious attachment, the way we heal it is improving our relationship with ourself. And I think I would. What I want to leave you with is. I would deeply examine how like sort of the conscious and subconscious vows and promises you made to not be like your father and how that's impacting you. Because in this vow to not be like him, you're denying a part of yourself because all of us have a masculine action oriented, fiery, protective you know, I was, just, I was saying like little Lee wants you to protect him. That pro- it's like that protective, everybody wants their dad to, you know, punch somebody in the face who messes with them. <laughs> <laughs> metaphorically, no one wants violence, but I'm just saying metaphorically, we want that. And so this kind of protective part has been muted because you've associated that with your dad who you don't want to be like. So you kind of have to pick a part some healthy masculinity, some healthy protectiveness, some healthy anger and own that and not avoid this aspect of you because you don't want to be like your dad. Does that make sense? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And Uh, I think between that and really taking your power back and going a little deeper on the grief, this will eventually start to shift. All the self-love stuff that you're doing and the soothing stuff is great, but it's more passive. It's more like, here's things I can do that aren't like my dad at all. So I'm cool doing these things. And again, you're doing great things. I'm not saying throw any of that away. I'm just saying we got to add something in here. Yeah. Yeah. Does does this help? It it definitely puts me on uh, in the right way. It's like I said, there was always that something I knew that was missing Mm -hmm. and so yes, this, this, this is a thank you for guiding me in the right direction. Oh, well, thank you for being willing and open and just know that you stepping fully into your masculinity and fully into your power is not going to turn you into your father. 
It's not, I promise. Okay. You won't be like him. You won't become violent. You won't ruin your family should you have one in the future. You are not him. You are the generational pattern breaker. But you don't want to go so far on the other side that you lose your power, right? Yeah. He overpowered others. You're giving away your power. That's not what you came in to do. It's not why you picked this man to be your dad. You're really standing in how do I be a healthy male? How do I hold my power in a healthy way? And how do I hold my anger? Because like you said, he took his anger out on you. How do I hold my anger in a healthy way? That's the pattern you're breaking. And you can do it. You're fully capable. Okay. Yeah. Got it? Sounds great. Thank you so much to Lee for your courage, for your vulnerability, and for bringing this important topic forward. So as you heard with Lee, the main thing that came forward in this call is he has a lot of awareness and he's been doing a lot of self-work, a lot of self-love work. He even said self-discipline equates to self-love and he's doing the things to regulate his nervous system, but something was missing and that was getting at his anger, getting at his rage. And it's no wonder that he avoided his anger and rage because look at what his model for anger was, right? His dad was abusive. His dad, as he said, tore his family apart and took out all his insecurities on his kids. And so of course Lee's going to want to avoid anger like the plague. But what often happens if we grow up in a household where there's a lot of anger, we think that's all anger, right? Now his father's expression of anger was unhealthy anger. It was anger projected onto people. It was abusive anger. Anger itself isn't bad. It's what we do with it that can be harmful to ourselves or to others. So anger projected on others in in words, in yelling, in any kind of abuse, in any kind of violation, that is, okay, bad if we want to call it something. It's unhealthy, right? It's anger that's, that's dark and shadowy and not okay. Anger directed inwards. So being really hard on yourself, having a really bad inner critic, self-harming in some way, right? That falls in the quote unquote bad, unhealthy category as well. So anger can get a bad rap, but anger itself is a natural human emotion. And I think any of you, if you saw someone beating up a child, you'd be angry. Now, you could maybe go to your spiritual self and be like, oh, there's a soul contract and, you know, this soul needs to learn this. And okay, maybe there's that perspective, (laughs) but I don't know about you. I'm a spiritual being having a very human experience. And if I saw an adult beating up a child, I would feel angry. And that would be a rightful feeling to have because it's not okay. It's not okay. So it's healthy for Lee to feel angry that his father abused him. It's healthy for him to have rage about that. What's not healthy is to suppress it and repress it and go more into passive. So healthy anger is like I teach in christinehaster.com slash anger release. It is moving the energy of anger up and out in a safe, therapeutic way where you basically take yourself through an adult version of a temper tantrum and you get that rage out. Lee's been so afraid of anger because he's attached and paired anger with dad's behavior that he's gone very passive. 
And that passivity is also going to make him needy in relationship because he's not really stepping in and claiming his power. I know that after I started doing anger work, oh my gosh, I felt so less needy. I felt so more confident because I found my freaking voice. Now, once I did anger work, did that mean I went out and just said whatever I wanted, (laughs) just was angry at everyone and just had no filter? No. Actually, when we do our own anger work, we're more calm. When we can get our anger out in a safe way, we show up way more grounded, way more present. So we don't, we never want to direct anger at someone and we never want to direct anger in at ourselves. We want to get our pillow, get our foam noodle. I'm angry because I'm pissed off because fuck you, because let that come out. Use words, not just go to a workshop and scream with a big group. That's more cathartic release than it is true emotional release work. Really allowing the voice of the child, the parts of us that are angry to get it out. And I gave Lee just a little opportunity when I said, you know, if your parents were here and you had full permission to go for it, what would you do? And he started to get angry. Now, if I was working with him, I'd take him much deeper into that, but it was a good appetizer. It was a good way to show him, oh, you're, it's there. And I think all of you could hear in his voice, his voice changed. He sounded more in his power. He started to articulate in a way where he was clear. And so there's more there. And if he really digs in and gets to that anger and rage, my guess is, one, his little boy is going to feel like his adult self is fighting for him. No one fought for him as a child. Who's fighting for him now? I mean, he's doing the motherly, nurturing, more feminine, passive things of regulating his breath and you know, hand on heart and calming himself down and doing the self-discipline. But he's not going into the masculine, protective, you don't get to mess with me. I'm angry at you. This was wrong. He's missing that aspect. So like I was saying, my sense is once he finds that, he's going to feel way more confident, way more empowered, and he's going to stop being so needy. Because when we aren't standing in our own power, we're going to look to others to fill us up, to make us feel a certain way. But when we can truly stand in our own power and find our own voice, we aren't so needy at all. Now, that said, I believe that it's healthy to be relational. All of us are relational beings. I think it's healthy to want to have relationships with people, not just romantic, but any kind of relationship. But wanting a relationship because you feel like something's missing, that's the unhealthy part. You know, he's trying to solve this childhood wound of not feeling wanted by having someone want him. But the real way to ease the pain of the child is to find that anger, to find his voice and to be like, you know what? That was wrong and no one gets to treat me like this again. The final thing I want to talk about is the not being like his father thing. So I see this all the time. There's a vow or a promise that we make consciously or subconsciously as children or as young people that I will never be like that. So he saw his dad tear his family apart. And he said, I will ne- I vow to never be like that. And so he's cut off a whole part of his expression. He doesn't have to be like his dad, but it's important to find his anger. And finding his anger in a healthy way isn't going to make him like his dad. His dad and him are more similar now because Lee's taking anger and repressing it and turning it inward which is why he needs to do so much self-love stuff because he has a high inner critic. And father was taking anger 
and projecting it outward. Neither is good. So he's actually more like his father now by holding the anger in. If he gets the anger out in a healthy way, then he breaks that cycle and he really steps into becoming his own man. So I want you to think about as your big takeaway from this episode, are there any conscious or unconscious vows or promises or oaths you made of like, I will never be like that. And in that you're denying a huge part of your own expression that's really holding you back from your own life and your own authenticity. So think about that one this week. All right, everybody, once again, happy new year, wishing you all the best for 2022, sending you so much love and many blessings until next time. Thank you for listening to Over at Non With It. I love hearing from you. So please post your comments or questions at christinehasler.com slash podcast. That's also the place you can sign up to receive coaching from me in an upcoming episode. And if you love this show, please share it and subscribe in iTunes. You can find all my social media handles and sign up to be part of my community at christinehasler.com. Until next week, here's to getting over it and on with it. Much love and many blessings. 